This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. Take God's Word and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The title of this message is The Person God Uses. The Person God Uses. Throughout Scripture, God used ordinary people to affect His kingdom in extraordinary ways. Uh, You don't have to be a Billy Graham. You can be. Uh, You don't have to be an Adrian Rogers. You don't have to be an Amy Carmichael. God takes the simple things and uses them in an extraordinary way. The person God uses. Each person God used in the Scripture, when you look at the saints, the ones that God seemed to use the most, had a responsive heart ready to hear God and a life that was available to obey God no matter what. They had come to a point in their life where their heart was responsive to God and they were available to God no matter what. That is the kind of person that God uses. There can be no hesitancy. There can be no fear, but just a resolute in the heart. God and what God has provided for me is all that I need. I'm available to do whatever you call me to do, God. I'm available. It's like a sailboat on a lake. And it's like that sailboat has its sails rigged up. All that's needed to push that sailboat forward is the wind. And we have the wind. We have the Holy Spirit of God to push us right where He wants us to go. You see, talent and ability are not prerequisites to being used by God. You can look all through Scripture and see stutterers and see people that seem so incapable, and God used them in a special way. Aren't you glad? That God uses you and me just the way we are. You see, the extraordinary comes from God. It comes from His Holy uh, Spirit. Uh, There was a man named Edward Kimball. And uh, you can know that you do not have to be famous, clever, or rich to impact the lives of others. All you must do is walk in the good works which God has determined for your life. You can have an eternal impact when you do. Edward Kimball did. Like those who listened to Christ that day, Kimball was an ordinary man. A Sunday school teacher, he was impressed one day to share the good news with a Boston shoe clerk. After nervously pacing outside the store several times before entering, he found the young man in the storage room. Kimball shared God's love, and the clerk received Christ as his Savior. That was in 1858. And the clerk's name was Dwight L. Moody whom God used greatly as a Bible evangelist and teacher. 
But the story does not stop there. Several years later, a pastor, Frederick B. Meyer, was stirred by Moody's teaching and launched a nationwide preaching ministry. A college student, Wilbur Chapman, accepted Christ after listening to F.B. Meyer. He later employed former ball player Billy Sunday as an evangelist while Chapman worked for the YMCA. Following a campaign conducted by Billy Sunday in Charlotte, North Carolina, a group of enthusiastic businessmen who had attended Billy Sunday's revival sponsored a crusade under the leadership of Mordecai Ham. In that audience one night, a young man received Christ, and his name was Billy Graham. It all began with the simple witness of a Sunday school teacher named Edward Kimball. You may never know the influence for Christ you have on others. That's God's business. But if you are available and obedient, you can make a difference that counts for all eternity. Can you imagine Edward Kimball in heaven when he realizes what happened because he went in and witnessed to that shoe clerk, though he was nervous? He set in motion something that's affected the entire earth. The person God uses. Number one, if you're going to be a person that God uses, number one, ask God to search your heart. If you're going to be a person that God uses, the first thing there must be, there must be a pure, clean heart. God only uses clean vessels. Ask God to search your heart. Psalm 139 verses 23 through 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. You ask God to search your heart. Now, turn if you will to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to read verses 26 through uh, 29. Paul speaking here. He says, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many uh, mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong and the base things of the world, and the despise. God has chosen the things that are not, that he might nullify the things that are. That no man should boast before God. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that, just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. My friend, if you're going to be a person that God uses. Never think that you're so little, so insignificant, just an ant on the face of this earth. God's not going to use me. Never think that for a moment. 
Because all through Scripture and the story of Edward Kimball, and you can multiply that story a hundred times, God uses men, women, boys, and girls for His purposes when these people have a responsive heart to God, when they are simply available to abide and obey God as they live life. So ask God to search your heart just the way you are, the culture that you've come through, the lifestyle that you've lived, everything that's shaped up your mind, God will take you just the way you are and he'll use you. Ask him to search your heart and he will. You see, God is interested most of all in the condition of the heart. You must, number one, be saved. Uh, John 3, 3 says, uh, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, uh, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. A person, first of all, to be a person that God uses, you have to be born again. That means you have to have God residence with inside of you. You see, God changes our heart. God changes our want to. God changes our desires when we become new creatures in Christ Jesus. You see that in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. My friend, to be a person that God uses, you must be born again, born from above, a new creature in Christ Jesus, have a responsive heart to the indwelling Holy Spirit, to God the Father through the merits of God the Son, and be willing to live a life of obedience and abiding in Him, my friend, God will take you, though you may see yourself insignificant, He'll take you and use you in a special way right where you are. So, ask God to search your heart. Are you born again? Are you a new creature in Christ Jesus? But the second thing, if you're going to be a person that God uses, is not only ask God to search your heart, but number two, determine your will to be surrendered to God's will. In other words, if you're going to have a responsive heart to God, you must determine my human will will be surrendered to God's will. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, listen, but the grace of God with me. You see, our character is developed fully by the power of God's grace, which works within us in the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, there is a conscious decision that you and I must make to bring our mind, heart, and actions into line with God's will. Remember what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, not my will, thine be done. And listen, we're supposed to talk to God the exact way that God the Son talked to God the Father. Father, I want to be a person that you use. Search my heart. Father, I choose to surrender my human will to your will. And I know I will operate by your grace, by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
even though I may see myself as insignificant, you'll use me just the way you used Edward Kimball in his sphere of influence, right where you are. It's a conscious decision we make to bring our mind, heart, and actions into line with God's will. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, he said, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. He's saying, look, you may have been uh, working and serving because I was present, but now I'm not present. You should be all the more working and serving me. He goes on to say in Philippians uh, 12, he says, um, he said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, a lot of people see that and say, see there, you have to work for your salvation. No, you do not. That's not what Paul is saying there. Paul is saying, work out your salvation. What he means is the salvation that God has placed in us, that we're to live it out with lives of practical holiness. In other words, I'm not working to maintain my salvation. I'm not working to be saved. I am working out the salvation that's already inwrought in me. That's what he's saying here in Philippians. And so uh, there's a conscious decision we make to bring ourselves in line with God's will and to work out this salvation. Goes on, he goes on to say here in verse 13 of Philippians 2, For it is God who is at work, notice, in you, both to will and to work for what? His good pleasure. Pastor, I want to be a person whom God uses. Ask Him to search your heart. Choose to surrender your will to His will. This is what He'll do. By the power of the Holy Spirit within you, He will line your human will up with His will. He'll give you His desire. But He doesn't stop there. As you live obedient and abiding in Him, He exercises your will, fulfills your desires, which is his desire, and he does it by the power of his Holy Spirit as you abide in him. He does it all from beginning to end. Third thing is this. The third thing is this. If you're going to be a person that God uses, you must have qualities of good character. You say, what are these qualities of good character? If I'm going to be a person who's not going to waste his life, come to the end of my life and regret that I've wasted my whole life, and here I'm going to be with God, and I've wasted it. If you're going to be a person that God uses, you will see some qualities of good character in your life. You say, what exactly is character? Well, here's one definition. Who you are when no one is looking, and what you are willing to stand for when someone is looking. It is who you are striving to be and what you can be trusted with. So, what are qualities of good character for a person that God uses, a Christian? Well, one, holiness. That is, to be set apart and separate. That's what holiness is, to be separated out and set apart, not for yourselves, but for God. And so, if you're going to be a person that God uses, there needs to be holiness about your life. But let me tell you, You, in and of yourself, can't be holy. Don't even try. 
It's impossible. You say, well, I just want to be a holy man. I just want to be a holy woman. There's only one way that'll happen is when you let Mr. Holiness, who lives in you, live through you. Because you can't do it by imitation. You see, one of the qualities of good character is holiness. It's the condition of your heart. And this condition of your heart will affect your actions. Your actions will reflect your heart. And you can know that sin is a barrier to praying and seeking God with your whole heart. So I'm choosing to say no to me, yes to God, because sin is the barrier that keeps me from being a person that God uses. So one of the qualities of good character is holiness, but another one is a pure heart. That is to be singular in substance. That is this, God, I want to be all out for you. No matter what anyone else in my life does, I choose to have singular purpose and bend my will to your word and your spirit until you call me home, period, no matter what anybody else does. Uh, Watchman Nee, he wrote a lot of good books, one, The Spiritual Man, and I read that book. It's about this thick. I read it in the bottom of the Grand Canyon. I was hiking the Grand Canyon with a friend of mine. While he was doing photography, I was reading that book. Then I read another book by him called The Normal Christian Life and read another one called Release of the Spirit. Very good books. Watchman Nee said this, For a person who speaks carelessly and without restraint in his daily speech will witness the same effect upon his hearers when he later preaches God's Word. It will be loose and powerless as before. Why? Because James 3.11 says, A fountain does not send forth both sweet water and bitter. You see, how I live my life affects my preaching from this pulpit. How you live your life in the week affects when you teach our children uh, back in the back here. How you live your life during the week as your children and grandchildren observe you, my friend, affects them. Why? Because a fountain does not send forth both sweet water and bitter. People will not believe you if the way you are during the week is different from the way you are on Sunday. You have no credibility. You lose that. So if you're going to be a person that God uses, there has to be qualities of good character, holiness, a pure heart. But not only that, a contrite heart. A contrite heart. There needs to be humility and repentance before God. That is, when you sin, you're crushed by the sense of guilt and sin. That doesn't mean that you do not know that you're covered under the blood. You know that. But at the same time, when you sin, it bothers you. If you say, well, it doesn't bother me, well, you need to ask yourself, have you been truly been saved? It's like walking down a street and the wind's blowing and a speck goes into your eyes. You don't wait and then take it out before you go to bed later on that night. I mean, your eyeball is so sensitive when that speck goes in there, you stop right then and try to get it out. Sin needs to be the same way for a person that God uses. They're quick to sense sin in their own life, and they're quick to deal with it or stay away from it. If you're going to be a person that God uses... 
One of the qualities is a contrite heart. You think about the prodigal son. He squandered the estate. He has squandered uh, his father's inheritance with loose living, found himself in a hog pen trying to get some of the pig's food, and then all of a sudden, he what happens? He came to his senses, and what did he do? He turned and he went back to the father. He came to his senses and he realized, this is a waste. I left so much. A person that God will use is a person who realizes the vain things in the world are nothing but a distraction from Christ who's everything. Amen? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things on earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So, qualities of a good character is holiness, a pure heart, a contrite heart, and also fear of God. And when I say fear of God, I'm not talking about shaking in your boots, afraid he's going to strike you down and knock you around and saddle bust you and all these stuff you hear preachers say. When I say fear, I'm talking about an awe of God and a reverence for who he is. An awesomeness, wonderment of his cross and how his shed blood covered all our sin and how we've been declared righteous and how God sees us inside of Christ and Christ in us by the Holy Spirit and how God has written his word with men that he superintended. You're in awe of God. There is a reverence for God. But too often, instead of us having a fear of God, we have a fear of man. And listen, my friend, if you're afraid of people, afraid of being rejected, afraid of being ridiculed, embarrassed, laughed at, misunderstood, my friend, you can't be a person that God uses. We had a men's conference right in here, about 25 men. It was our first uh, heavenly-minded man's fellowship. And we played right up here on the screen, we played um, a sermon preached by... Dale Faisenfeld, the title of it was The Fear of Man. He was a man, Dale Faisenfeld, who started Life Action Ministries. And when he preached this message, he knew that he had less than six months to live. And so when he went to the pulpit, and we watched it right here on this screen. It's a 57-minute sermon. And he went up to the platform and, and to the pulpit, and he said, You know something? It doesn't matter whether you like me. It doesn't matter... Uh, if you reject what I'm saying, why? Because I'm going to die and it doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you exactly what God's telling me to say. And for 57 minutes, he said it. There wasn't a dry eye in here. I had so many emails from guys saying, where can I get a copy of that video? My friend, if we're going to be people that God uses, there needs to be a fear of God, not a fear of man. There needs to be an awesome reverence for God we need to glance at people, but gaze at God if you're going to be a person uh, that God uses. So uh, another quality of character is simply a fear of God, but faithfulness is also a quality. You say, what do you mean faithfulness? Persevering to the very end. You say, oh, me, you're talking about the perseverance of the saints? No, 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 no. I'm talking about the perseverance of the Holy Spirit. See, it's not the saint trying hard to keep his salvation and persevere to the end. It is the saint resting in the complete one 
and the one who lives inside the Holy Spirit, to live the Christian life through him, that person is a person that God can and will use in a special way. You see, God is looking for people that he can trust with God-sized tasks. Some things I'd love for this church to do, I'll be talking about in 2013. i tell you what I'm looking for. I'm looking for men and women that God can use. And I'm watching people now in this church and discerning and determining those people who are walking with God and dwell by the Holy Spirit, not fearful of man, reverence for God, emotionally whole, people that can help other people is what I'm looking for. Because I want to tell you, God is looking for people he can trust with God-sized tasks. And then a sixth quality of good character is a person who seeks and loves God. That is, their heart's desire is God and God alone. God, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. God causes us to seek and desire Him. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 12 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Another quality, character quality of a person that God will use is a person who's a servant of the Lord. I want to ask you, how are you serving in this local church called Lakeland First Baptist? I mean, really, what exactly do you do here besides come, listen to a Sunday school lesson, listen to a sermon, and then go back home? Are you a servant of the Lord? Colossians 3, 23 through 24 says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily, Listen, as for the Lord rather than for men. You know what happens in a church if a person serves God and they're really kind of doing it for men and the men just do not notice. They feel hurt. You, you're not going to believe. I, I did all this and nobody, nobody even said thank you. You know what? You mean to tell you the way to beat that trap? Do it as unto the Lord, and it won't matter if anybody notices or not. And I can tell you this, if you're doing it as unto the Lord, you can know this, God knows. And if it doesn't matter for you who gets the credit, everybody's going to know and see it in you. God's going to see to it that they do. A person that God uses is a servant of the Lord. You know, one of the things I love, is when people just rise up and do things. Uh, just like uh, this, uh, the youth bonfire out there tonight. I have nothing to do with that. And it's all happening down there on the end of the church. I'm not having to do anything. And I'm all warm and don't smell like smoking stuff. And I bet they'll get me a hot dog if I ask. I love that. Why? It's because they're serving God motivated by the Holy Spirit, not seeking anything for man. And they know that our youth right now, having lost our youth pastor 
They know that our youth is subject right now to discouragement. What the youth do not realize right now is 2013 is going to be the best the youth has ever had in this church in history. And they're going to see it here soon. But they're trying to encourage them. We've got probably four families out there right now encouraging our youth. I don't have anything to do with it. They just rose up and did this. It's a labor of love. They're servants of the Lord. Now, you say, well, Chris, my problem is I just don't have a desire. How can I have a heart for God to use? How to have a heart for God to use? Well, my friend, you have to guard your heart. Uh, Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. You can decide not to be put into compromising situations that would call into question your determination to serve God or cause your character to be suspect. In other words, you say, well, I want to have a heart to serve God. My friend, you need to walk circumspectly. In other words, don't do anything or put yourself in an environment that's going to cause people to question your character and your service to God. Because look, you lose your witness. You've lost your ability to be a person that God uses. Do you realize that? Dr. Rogers did a series before he died on whatever pastor ought to know. And I'm going to show it in here one day to leaders uh, and pastors. We're going to have something here to show that whole series. But there's one session that Dr. Rogers does in this series that he said one day God put it on my heart to think about what would happen if Adrian Rogers committed adultery. He said, I sat down at my desk with a piece of paper, and I thought about what would happen if I committed adultery and I got found out. What would happen? And he said, I started writing down what would happen. One thing because he was pastor of a large church, it would be all over the news. That was number one. Number two, and he went on down the list, how the deacons would be just, oh, my word. Where am I, where, what am I doing at this church? What am I doing serving with this man? Number three, what would happen to his family, each member of his family? And at, when he got down to number 10, man, it made you want to cry because you realized he was diminished. Listen, if you're going to be a person that God uses, you have to have a heart for God's use. So therefore, you have to guard your heart. Uh, Dr. Gray Allison, uh, when I went to Mid-America Seminary, uh, I, I went through his personal evangelism class, and he said, guys, I'm telling you, when you get out there and start pastoring a church, I'm telling you, you got to watch everything that you do. Guard your heart. Be careful where you go because people deep down want to see you come down to feel better about their own lives. He said, I'm telling you that if you're going down the road and it's pouring down raining and you see the chairman of the deacon's wife beside the road 
with a flat tire, don't you dare stop and help her unless you go find another man somewhere that you go get him and come bring him back with you. <laughs> I'll never forget as long as I live what he said. Because people will take the least little thing and try to twist it to cast a bad light on you. So if you're going to have a heart uh, for God's use, you got to guard your heart. And not only that, you got to be careful. Not only guard your heart, but if you're going to be a person God uses, do not let your heart be hardened. Do not let your heart be hardened. Look at Hebrews chapter 3, verses 8 through 15. Hebrews 3, verses 8 through 15 here. Listen to this. Do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their notice, in their heart. And they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brethren, lest there should be in any one of you an evil, notice, unbelieving heart in falling away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it is said, today, if you hear his voice, listen, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. You know what he's saying here is this. We are to guard our hearts. We are not to allow our hearts to be hardened. You know what happens to a church when the heart grows harder? The spiritual eyes grow dimmer. The spiritual ears grow fainter. And then you're in a full-blown maintenance ministry. The death of a church is maintaining what we have. It's the death of a church. comes from a heart not guarded and a hardened heart. Now, how God shapes a person. If you say, well, I want to be a person God uses. Well, how does God shape a person that God uses? This is good news. God uses our past to bring glory to himself. You may say, well, my past is so tarnished. My past, I, I've been so lazy. Chris, I've been in a maintenance mode for 30 years. How can he use me? My friend, he'll use your past if you'll let him. He'll use you to warn others not to go down the same path that you went down. So God uses our past to bring glory to himself. You see, we all have unique personal histories. 
My history is different than yours. Yours is different than mine. But in our life, whether the things we've done wrong, the things we've done right, God uses all of that and prepares us for ministry to other people. There is nothing that you've ever done that keeps you from being used by God. If you'll only surrender your life to Him, He'll take your mess, your lemons, and He'll make lemonade out of it. You see, God doesn't use you just the way you are, but He uses you in spite of who you are. Isn't that true of everybody? Billy Graham says, I don't know why on earth God chose me, but He did. He said, I am not the best preacher in the United States. Just turn on your TV and listen. Wonderful preachers are everywhere. But God said it's going to be him that I use to reach the world in a special way in a crusade evangelism. He said, I was so unqualified. He said, I just came from a dairy farm. I never went to seminary. Uh, Billy Graham never went to seminary. He went to Bible college, but not seminary. But God took what seemed faulty God took what seemed to most people to be a long, lanky, kind of country, backwards guy and put him out all over the world to reach people uh, for Jesus Christ. The only way to explain that, it was God's plan for his life. And God shaped him and used him even in um, his mistakes. I mean, most of you know my wife's uncle is Cliff Barrows, who led the music for, uh, for Billy Graham in all those years. And uh, they were at our house uh, in Germantown uh, some years back, and uh, and uh, Cliff Barrows uh, had been uh, doing a concert with George Beverly Shea at Bellevue Baptist, and so he came over to our house to take a nap, and he took a nap in our bed, and we still haven't changed the sheets. <laughs> and so uh, uh, he was in my study, and he was sitting behind my desk, and I was on the other side, and I was sitting on the sofa, and we talked for me and uh, Mr. Prince, Kelly's dad, and, and Cliff and I sit there and talk for probably two hours. And he says, I want to tell you, Billy Graham's so disorganized. He said, when you're traveling with him, he wakes up in the morning, can't find his pants. He said he forgets his Bible. He forgets his notes. He said, sometimes you think, good. Now, how does God use this guy? But he said, the man is literally anointed by God. He says, he said, when it's time to go speak to the people, he said, everything just lines right up. He said, it's amazing to watch. It's just like everything just works perfectly until he gets done. But he, but he said, as far as his leadership style, he said he goes into meetings and writes on backs of envelopes and paper sacks. And he said, you think, how in the world can this man have such a worldwide ministry? I can tell you how. God. It's just what God chose to do, and we don't have to understand it. We just know that it's true. And so God uses our past to bring glory uh, to himself. God brings glory to himself, uh, even in the things that we've done that are not uh, so wonderful. So character is shaped by crisis, and also your real genuine character is revealed when you go through a crisis. You go through a hard time in your life, something you don't understand, you feel blindsided. Well, I don't understand it. What did I do? And you either say, God, what are you showing me? Or you begin to go to other people to try to get answers. You see, true character 
is revealed in a crisis. You see the real person in a crisis. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. I'm the potter, you're the clay. Is that right? Oh, it's the other way around. Thou art the potter, I'm the clay. You mold me and make me after my will. This is what I want to do, Lord. No, 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 no. I'll mold you and make you after my will, and while you're waiting, yielded and still, and I'll use you. So what's God's pattern for using for the person that he uses? He chooses them. Remember, you're already chosen. You're a child of God. You're already chosen to represent God through your life. God calls you. He puts a specific desire in your hearts in a way to serve him. He prepares you. He even uses your past in his preparation. And he uses you as you are abiding, simply trusting in him. The Bible says that Jesus was with the disciples. So basically, Jesus taught the disciples, not so much like we're sitting here now, me teaching you one-way conversation. The Bible says that Jesus was with the disciples. They spent time together. They ate together. They went places together. And as they were going along, Jesus was training and teaching them. You say, boy, I wished I lived back then. Not me. See, they were with Jesus. But you know what? The same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus is in you and me right now. Do you realize that, my friend? There's nothing holding you back from being the person that God will use except you. Last thing is this. What does the role of the Bible, the Scripture, what does it have to do with being a person uh, that God uh, uses? My friend, I said it uh, Wednesday night, I think. Be a person that gets up every morning and spends time alone with God. Don't have, uh, oh, God, I need to spend some time with God. My friend, you may as well just go on. If that's your attitude, just go. Don't even do it. It should be. I can't wait to get back to it. I will get up earlier to spend time with God's Word. I will have a quiet time. I will be with God, and I will be in His Word. You see, when you get into God's Word, and you look at the saints of old, like David and Joseph and others, and you watch how they live their lives, and then you say, I'm going to apply that same principle because I see God's way in their life. I'm going to apply that to my own life. You're going to see the same results they saw. And you're going to think, wow, I should have started this sooner. That's how you can be a person that God uses. You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.